HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program was brought to you by the Academy Opus Caseus, whose training programs bring cheese professionals to the next level. This is Sherry Bayer from All in the Industry. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, this is Diane Stemple on Cutting the Curd on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Today I'm welcoming one of my most beloved mentors to Cutting the Curd, and we are going to discuss next week's American Cheese Society Conference in Providence, Rhode Island. Welcome, Deborah Dickerson. Hello, Diane. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm very good. I just got back from Vermont two hours ago. Uh, from the Vermont Cheesemaker Festival, and now I'm ready to discuss the next event. Oh, fantastic. It's a great season for cheese. It is. It's it's like uh, the social summer cheese season. <laughs> you know how to pick your careers. <laughs> or at least my second careers. <laughs> anyway, first of all, I want to get some background on you, just in case some of our newer listeners are not familiar with the woman I like to call the den mother of American cheese. I know you probably hate that, Deborah. No TV dinners, no American slices. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but the way you nurture American cheese and the way you carry it around in your purse and your briefcase just <laughs> always made me feel like you were taking such good care of it. Oh, well, I have had the great pleasure to work with um, some really amazing cheesemakers and some really phenomenal companies. And, you know, I always felt like this is my job, my dream come true. I was a matchmaker, right? Exactly. My job was only to connect the right cheese with the right retailer or the right chef or... Or the right mouth. (laughs) Fantastic work. Anyway, can you tell me a little bit, you're currently with the Cowgirls. Uh, What is your current cheese job with them? 
Um, I am uh, in charge of sales at Tamales Bay Foods, mm-hmm. and um, we are a cheese distributor uh, in Northern California, and we work with our own cheese, Cowgirl Creamery, that we make. And also, we have the great pleasure of working with um, a lot of other artisan cheesemakers here in America. Um, we're about 85% American in our cheese offerings and about 15% European. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have some we have some really great great things to offer. We also have a few condiments, a few oh, a few figs marinated in port, a few tasty morsels to go with the cheese, including mm-hmm. salami. So, but we're really we're cheese people. Okay, okay. Now, can you tell us a little bit of your history in cheese? Where did you get your start? Which stores have you been most closely associated with? So it, it's interesting. I don't know how many of the listeners out there have kids, but I was thinking, I was thinking actually about why am I so crazy about cheese? Why am I so crazy about cows and milk? And I had this, my God, Diane, I had this flashback, and it was I couldn't have been more than three, and I, I, I never finished my food, right? And my mother was at her wit's end, and I grew up in western New York State out in the country, and my mother would make me climb on top of this rickety old stool at the end of my meal, and I would have to show my empty milk glass to this cow who was on a calendar. (laughs) (laughs) You had to show your empty milk glass to a cow. The cow has worked so hard. How can you not finish your milk? So for those of you who are parents out there, be careful what you say to your children. (laughs) (laughs) So you are still helping finish the milk. That led just to um, uh, getting, having the good fortune of of getting some really good jobs. I worked at Zingerman's and uh, I was um, given the job of retail manager then and and we had... uh, And that was when Zingerman's was starting out? Yeah, it was about, I think it was about six years in. It was mm-hmm. um, It was a long time ago. <laughs> I think it was around 1990, 1982 or so. Anyway, and they had beautiful cheeses and meats and, uh, and smoked fish. It's a great deli. If you mm-hmm. haven't been, everybody should go. And I started by um, just visiting the people that we bought from. We bought cheese from. And so I traveled around the country, um, stopping in and saying hello. I had a big dog I'd haul around with me. And I, I fell in love. I walked into Zingerman's, and I, I fell in love with with artisan cheese. So mm-hmm. that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. After the cow and the glass, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that image. But it was really great to con- you know to just to meet the meet the folks. And you know, in 1992, there was it was a much smaller um, industry, um, oh, American much. artisan cheese, than it is now. Um, so I did that for a while and, and had a great time and learned lots and made lots of friends and then um, transitioned over to work with Neil Jardieri, and I did that for about 12 years mm-hmm. and had the pleasure of representing them in the U.S. And for those people who might not know, um, Neil Jardieri and Randolph Hodgson, who started that business, very ambitious fellow. He was a cheesemaker himself and actually kind of stumbled on some really beautiful traditional cheesemaking uh, in the area around London and in into England and in the beautiful hills and cheeses that were and, that were and endangered. Geez. 
Yeah, and these people were were still making cheese much the same way their their grandparents and great grandparents had in the late eighteen early nineteen hundreds. But the market for those cheeses was fading, so he would hand pick them and throw them in his car and drive them back to London and sell them on his counter. Uh, and he was ready to expand into the states. Um, and so I came at the right time and onward. Uh, that's how the, the cheese got into my briefcase. Right. On the back of the car, right. and on the road we went. And Neil Jord, were, they were the people who believed in getting the cheese into the customer's mouth right, right from the counter so that the customer would have the experience and want the cheese and understand the cheese and take it home. Right, that's true. I had forgotten that. It really, you know, you can wax eloquently, but at the end of the day, it's not so much about you as, you know, making sure that those customers, you know, enjoyed what they were eating. And, you know, one look tells it all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyway, we need to tell some of our audience, I mean, I think there's a small percent who have do not know about or have not yet attended the amazing American Cheese Society Conference. Uh, I did a little research. Apparently, the first one was in 1983 in Cornell. Uh, The first competition was in 1985, perhaps with 89 cheeses. And I know I've gone every year since 2005 in Louisville, but when did you start going, and how would you describe the conference? Oh, God, the the conference to me is, um, uh, you know, it's... it's Christmas. It's the biggest <laughs> holiday of the year for a cheese lover. It is everyone in the industry is there. All of our friends are there. All of the cheesemakers are there. Chefs are there. And it's it's all about the cheese, right? It's mm-hmm. all about the cheese. So for me, it's one time during the year where we really get to honor the folks who work so darn hard, right? Every single day, 365 days of the year making great cheese. Because mm-hmm. it's really all about them and their, you know, and the the. the products that they make. And just before we get too far, because I'm going to forget, I want to make sure that I have from you, my dear friend Diane, your commitment that you're going to help me this year on Saturday for the <laughs> Festival of Cheese. I have signed up. <laughs> I have. A, I am going on the air saying I promise I will be there Saturday. <laughs> I have signed up and I've signed up for Wednesday also. You are the I, best I am committed. Thank you. I am committed. But I did sign up, I have to admit. More about about the conference. (laughs) Okay, okay. We're going to go back to the festival later. Wow, I'm glad you looked it up because I I wasn't sure how far back it went. I I started going in the early um, 1990s Mm -hmm. um, when Ari, who um, was one of the founders of Zingerman's Delicatessen, was president. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember that um, there was a conference in New York City and they moved hay bales into a, a, a warehouse someplace, and, you know, there were there was a judging and a competition. Um, but before I get too far down that road, I just, you know, it was started by a group of people, some of whom who are still involved in the industry, at Cornell University um, by a, a, a fellow, um, Frank Kazakowski. Kazakowski, who was a dairy science professor at Cornell, Mm -hmm. and he had traveled all over the world and helped people make traditional cheese in a way that was 
um, using modern technology, right? Mm-hmm. Not throwing away the traditional recipe with the bath water, but, you know, just helping them sort of make more consistent and um, labor savings and understanding, you know, traditional recipes around the world. And he was the godfather. I mean, he really is the one who saw the 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 reasoning behind bringing small American cheesemakers together and helping them understand exactly what they were doing from a scientific perspective. And if you think about it, right, 1983, 1985, this is when, you know, people start going back to the land in the 1970s, women mm-hmm. particularly. You know, we were hippies and we were, you know, we had kids strapped on our backs. Mm-hmm. And people were going back into the country and starting to, you know, grow our own food food, and, and a lot of women started to make cheese, um, mm-hmm. particularly from goats, because the goats are, are much smaller than cows and much more manageable, mm-hmm. and they have really strong maternal instincts, and so people like Mary Keene and Judy Shad and Laura Chanel, they were all making this this goat cheese that really hadn't had a market in America prior to. Um, and Frank Kosakowski brought these group of people together, um, and um, they formed the society, and they started judging, uh, a judging and competition day where everybody would bring their cheese, and it would be tasted and scored. And the purpose of it wasn't who won, um, but the purpose of it was really who, um, how could we help them make better cheese? Right. How could, how could right. they be given feedback? right, on rind or texture or flavor um, to make better cheese in the future to build the market. So and that's we still, have much to thank. That still is part of the judging. They have, uh, you know, their scoring sheets where there is feedback provided for the cheesemaker, and the the purpose is to make the cheese better. Right. Uh, to evaluate it and to help people rather than to just compete and, and right. uh, insult people. Right. <laughs> We've had situations where judges, and, and I think that this is the only competition that I'm aware of, yeah. where there um, are two judges per cheese, and they have to work together. There's an aesthetic judge, and there's a technical judge, and the technical judge um, has to, they start with 50 points and subtract, and the aesthetic judge uh, starts with zero and adds up to 50 points, and that's how they get their total score. So Mm -hmm. you get retailers who, I love the funky wrapping around this cheese. I give it a 50, and you've got the technical judge going, you know, this leaf has essence of bitter, you know, amino acids, and right, I'm going to mark right. it down. And so you really get a, a good cross um, cross reference mm-hmm. uh, for the cheesemakers to work with. Well, but I the, think I think also ahead. ACS has kept the scientists involved, you know, with yes. the technical judges and with many of the seminars being very scientifically oriented. We're at a very interesting point, I think, in our history right now. Um, with American cheese and the uh, the FDA and the you know food safety regulations, where uh, we really need the scientists involved to you know sort of help us make sure that you know we continue to um, walk the path of safety um, without losing our um, our traditional recipes and that which makes our cheese so unique. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, just to tell the um, possible novice what the actual schedule is like. 
the ACS meeting starts officially on Wednesdays, but before that, our two, the judging competition happens two or three days before that. The receiving of the cheeses happens before that because uh, around 1,700 cheeses are coming in and need to be um, with they need to be presented without their names on them and not lost and not mixed <laughs> up <laughs> to be judged and um, and that's you know a, a very insurmountable task. Then after the judging, the conference gets started and then that's where Deborah's going to come in uh, and tell us about those cheeses that didn't have names on them then have to be shifted to the Festival of Cheese where they do have their proper names on them and fed to, you know, a thousand people. <laughs> it's really, um, it's, a, it's, it's like the best game you can possibly imagine. It's called <laughs> Find the Feta Amongst 1,700 Cheeses, right? So the whole purpose is when the judging occurs, you don't want people to know what the cheese is because there are a lot of them that are very recognizable, um, whether it's the line of ash in the center or whether it's truffles on the rind or whatever it might be, people uh, in the business recognize what it is. So we try to make sure that that is minimized by taking off the name of the cheese and we give them a very long code number. And then when those cheeses are judged and the score sheets are done, as you said, they come to us, uh, Michelle Harum, and I have the great pleasure, along with an amazing group of people, um, to set up this Festival of Cheese. And the Festival of Cheese, it's like the biggest buffet you ever saw in your life. It's 1,700 and some cheeses displayed in all their glory, and now they are properly signed with if they won first place or second and place or decorated. third place. And <laughs> decorated so at a cocktail party for 1,000 people. Exactly, at a cocktail party for a thousand people. And each cheesemaker, right, comes racing in the room on Saturday, to and check. they want to find their cheese, right? And they and want oh it my to God. look good. Heaven forbid it should be missigned or misspelled. Or, or melting, or melting. Yeah. It, don't say that. Don't okay. even okay. say okay. that. Okay. So anyway, we, we have a very good system with an incredible team, and what we do, it's like accepting your children in the back door, right? putting them through the judging and competition, getting them equal treatment, right? equal education, equal consideration, and then we pour them into the Festival of Cheese right. Committee. Then you dress them up. their name tags back on and put them on the, uh, on the table to do their, to do their debut. Okay. Um, but that's not all the festival is. That's not all the conference is, really. Oh, There's, no, definitely not. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping between one major event and another major event, but there's lots in between. But we'll have to discuss that after the break. Okay. Uh, we're taking a short break, and we'll be back soon. And some, we have a surprise guest joining us after the break.
The Academy Opus Caseus is the cheese industry's unique center for professional development, offering training for cheese professionals ready to move their careers to the next level. The Academy is the only professional cheese school integrating hands-on practice, formal instruction, and curriculum-related visits in every course. The Academy's core courses for mongers and affineurs are offered at the Mons facilities in France, and abridged courses are offered in Vermont, California, and London. A structured discipline of sensory analysis is practiced daily. The Academy has been recognized by the American Cheese Society as an approved education center for those preparing for the Certified Cheese Professional Exam. Here's a reading of a quote from Kevin Palmaccio, a graduate of the program. The balance of time is what sets essential foundations apart from other educational opportunities. While the classroom is important, spending time at the goat farm and working alongside the Mons staff immersed us in real work and taught me real skills I've already applied in my career. As a relative newcomer to the cheese business, daily concentration on sensory analysis was paramount. As a cheesemonger, I'm now in a better position to familiarize myself with a wide range of products and sell with more confidence. For more information and to apply for courses, visit their website at academy-mons.com. That's A-C-A-D-E-M-I-E-M-O-N-S.com. Hi, this is Diane Stemple of Cutting the Curd at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I want to welcome our surprise guest, Gordon Edgar, from Rainbow Grocery Cooperative in San Francisco. Hi, Gordon. Hi, Diane. How are you? Hi, Gordon. Oh, Deborah, hey, how are you? (laughs) What a pleasant surprise. I got two California cheese people. We'll never see each other. Gordon is also the uh, cheese author who is about to publish his second book called Cheddar, and I'm looking forward to having uh, Gordon on the show discussing his book in the future. But um, Gordon, Deborah, and I were still discussing some aspects of ACS, so I'd like you to join us. Oh, that sounds great. Okay. So, Deborah, what were you going to say about what is sort of the meat in between the two events? Well, there's always the bar at the end of the day. (laughs) Oh, oh, that. (laughs) But but before then, there is an amazing selection of um, educational panels um, and discussions that happen for people to attend. And some of those sessions are tasting sessions where uh, you are comparing cheese with bourbon or you're comparing starter cultures and how they evolve over time in different cheeses or there's all kinds of things. I mean, it is as there is a panel for every interest Mm -hmm. in the cheese world. And I think that as the American Cheese Society has evolved and as the conference has has evolved, the panels have become more meaty and more, uh, more engaging and much more relevant for the future of the industry. Gordon, would you agree? Uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I always like to go to the panels that I feel like are over my head. You know, I kind of like to go to the ones where uh, where there's real technical stuff going on um, that isn't really geared to the retailer. And I just kind of I like to sit in the back and take notes and try to pretend that I I did well in high school chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> That's always a challenge. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm beginning to understand chemistry from all the cheese chemistry books I've had to read as, you know, the author uh, reviewer. <laughs> it's finally sinking in, those carbon molecules. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 
but I, I really do think that the programming at ACS has become, um, you know, really, really incredible. I, I think that, um, you know, there was a few years in there where there was a lot of people just kind of talking about this is what I do, and um, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel like that the that the panels and the presentations are much more put together in a way that's like this is what I do, and this is the lessons we can learn from this, and and right. and are, are really helpful to um, to anyone attending, you know, on on one level or mm-hmm. another. Mm-hmm. And I find that cheese people are very willing to share information. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much my favorite thing of the conference. I mean, yeah. I feel like. I feel like it really. Uh, I mean, you know, it's a word that gets used a lot, but it really de- demystifies a lot of a lot of things. You know, both kind of people um, who, you know, if you haven't met them yet, but you've been carrying their cheese for years, and you're like, oh my god, this person, oh my, you know, I can't even talk to them. You mm-hmm. know, and you realize they're just a regular person, right. you know, and because right. they're probably a your rural person, they're probably pretty down to earth and easy to talk to. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and um, and I think it really helps for for that kind of thing for sure. Though the cheesemakers are the rock stars, I feel of the convention. I feel like they're the rock stars of the cheese world. Yeah, somebody has to be a rock star. They're the rock stars. Yeah, of the cheese world yeah, because sure. they're they're doing the hard work, and and uh, as Deborah says, they're the ones that we need to honor. Totally. Like I feel like I'm the roadie. You know, I'm the <laughs> one like you know taking their. their You're just their carrying the stuff around, the right place, and <laughs> getting it in people's hands. I'm, like I'm like lifting the amps. You know, <laughs> exactly. They're making, they're, they're making exactly. music. <laughs> I mean, it really is true because if you think of those who also have the uh, the pleasure of selling, right? We get the reactions, right? We get to see the gratification on the face of the customers. We get to hear about how their party was a huge success because, you know, they were carrying these great cheeses. And meanwhile, the cheesemakers are, you know, elbow deep in the vat and day after day after day. And so it's nice that we're able to to share our experience and um, really appreciate them. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, um, one thing, Gordon, I invited you particularly to talk about, because I know Deborah is still looking for recruits for the Festival of Cheese, which she is chairing with Michelle Harum. Um, Can you remember your wonderful uh, reasoning behind the joys of volunteering at ACS that you wrote, I think, on your blog quite a few years ago? Yeah, you know, volunteering, um, I, I think volunteering is great, especially if, um, you know, if, if you have the time to do it. Um, the first year that I ever went to ACS, I actually went as like a full volunteer because uh, my store was a little iffy on, on the conference. They didn't really know if they wanted to pay for me to go. I mean, this is, you know, 1999 or whatever mm-hmm. it was. And, um, and um, so I volunteered the whole time, and it was a really um, great way not only to meet people, but to really um, – really get in touch with the cheese. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, volunteering for the festival of cheese especially uh, is great because you get these really big pieces of cheese, and you're not trying to sell them. So you get to cut them in all sorts of fun shapes and sizes (laughs) and artistic things that you, you know, you can't really do on a retail uh, level unless you, um, unless you, you know, really uh, are planning to to toss a lot of cheese away. But, um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, you know, you just, you can just make these beautiful, beautiful displays with this never ending amount of cheese. And it's, it's, it's like the one time really to be, have artistic fun with cheese as well as working really hard because you got to, you know, process a lot of cheese for people to come in and devour, you know, mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. But, but it's, um, it's one of the funnest parts of volunteering at ACS, I think, is doing the Festival of Cheese. There you go. Thank you. And, you, and you get to work with Deborah. <laughs> well, yes. Deborah <laughs> is. Michelle. Deborah and Michelle are, they're a great team. They're great team builders. 
and they're, they make you feel very special about your table or your whatever you're doing. And, uh, I mean, I think, Deborah, that's how we met. It's true. It's absolutely true. I think I was desperate, and you were walking by the door, and I grabbed you. <laughs> right, and you please help me. I think you made me carry heavy cheese around yeah. in and out of the cooler, which is not, if I, for anyone who knows me, not what I really want to do. <laughs> I'll for cut a purpose greater than ourselves. Right, right, right. I'll cut cheese and eat cheese, but I don't really like carrying it in and out of a cooler. <laughs> You know, I think that, and Gordon, I think you um, uh, alluded to it a bit, but the American Cheese Society industry is really one that still, even though it's close to 40 years old now, um, it it is one that is still filled with sharing and giving and, you know, celebrating each other. It's not cutthroat competitive, and there's just nowhere that I know that you can see that in an industry of this age. You know, it's like we're all competing on some level, but yet the joy is really in having everyone share and learn and and understand and be successful, truly. Um, what I always tell people about the Festival of Cheese is that, you know, you're there from 8 in the morning until 5 o'clock at night, and then you get a big beer. <laughs> and everybody's working really, really, really hard to do this impossible task of um, putting 1,700 cheeses out on 17 tables in eight hours. And what happens is... They're friends for life, absolutely mm-hmm. friends for mm-hmm. life. You go through an experience like that, and, you know, you've just you've, you've built a relationship that can't be broken. Yeah, you're a member of the team. Yes. Yeah, it's like... You know, that, was, that was the exact phrase I was going to use, too. You know, when you work for that long with someone and you make a friend for life, I mean, that was exactly the phrase I was going to use. <laughs> Whether you're commiserating <laughs> or celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I think back to, like, the first, you know, the, the couple of, first couple of years when I did that, I mean, I'm still in touch with those people. I sometimes yeah. forget that's where I met them. Yeah. Um, but it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We worked next to each other for, you know, whatever it was, six, eight hours just cutting cheese. And, um, yeah. you know, you really, uh, get to know people over that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I want to take a break from worrying about the prepping of fifteen hundred cheeses for one party, and ask you both: What do you think the more serious topics will be this year in Providence? Gordon, do you want to go first, or do you want me to go? Oh, sure. Well, I mean, I think you know, as always, we're still dealing with um, all the FISMA stuff and the food mm-hmm. safety. Uh, procedures, and I think that that's that's kind of always the most well over the last few years. That's been the most serious issue uh-huh. um, every time. Uh, you know, what's the relationship to the FDA, to right. the USDA, mm-hmm. to raw milk cheese, and all that? I, I think that um, you know that will that's you know I think it's kind of the number one issue in our industry right now. So yes. I, I'm sure that that's going to get a lot of mm-hmm. uh, attention, I uh, think, both in panel and in discussions. I think people are gently, hesitantly optimistic that this year the FDA is coming again and it's a little less adversarial than last year because we've started talking more. What do you think, Deborah? I agree. I think that it is a tribute to the board members of the American Cheese Society that um, they have been able to get to the table with the FDA, um, and 
see and to be considered um, an organization to be listened to. And I don't think that that was the case before, you know, a couple years ago maybe. So, um, you know, we have a voice and it's a loud one, and our constituency is a passionate group of people who feel very strongly about the cheese they eat um, and want it protected. Um, and nobody wants to... Uh, have anything be unsafe. So the fact that we have the FDA coming and that we can sit at the table with them through the course of the year and that um, policies are discussed and implications of those policies are taken into consideration I think is a great thing. A little reason goes a long way here. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also some panels that uh, I think are going to be very interesting that discuss uh, like the use of wooden boards uh, in aging cheese, which was um, ruled against uh, last year. It's coming up for reevaluation. And um, in addition to that, there is, oh, shoot, I just lost my train of thought. Sorry, gone. Okay. I remember. Another particular seminar. Yes. Okay. Um, I know. Yeah, so there's some really good seminars along that line. Mm-hmm. Um, and the FDA uh, update is for everyone. It's uh, part of the whole everyone together schedule. Yes, it's yeah. in one of the meetings. Mm-hmm. Which I think is good, it, though it's a separate meeting. It's not tacked on to the business lunch or anything. It's its own meeting. I believe that's true. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was last year. Uh, yeah, last year it was part of the business meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Oh, and I have to tell you, I would not have wanted to be in the shoes of that FDA director for anything <laughs> in the room. He was up against a bit of a hostile crowd, although I thought he did a great job in opening the door and opening communication. And um, again, I think it speaks to where the, the cheese society has come in terms of its relevance to the industry overall. Mm-hmm. We've grown up a bit. Yeah, yeah. Well, also, I mean, I was talking to people at the Vermont Cheesemaker Festival yesterday. It's amazing how American cheese has boomed in the past 10 years. I mean, it's just grown, you know, by leaps and bounds. Or our small cheesemakers. Yeah, and I think the other thing that's very interesting is that the Europeans are looking at, you know, they're looking at our cheeses in a different way. We have a lot of European uh, family companies who are coming over and um, purchasing uh, American companies. Um, for those companies who are small and maybe family-run and there isn't a heir apparent in the family to take over, hmm. um, and these companies are purchasing um, American cheese-making companies as a way to enter into the market. Um, I was very skeptical of this, as Gordon, my guess is you might have been too, but... Yeah, that makes me a little nervous. But what I've seen is that they've lent, you know, 450 years of expertise and um, really helped the cheese be better and been respectful of the market. Um, And I think that that's uh, beneficial to us in terms of trade rather than... um, putting a lot of imported cheese, more imported cheese, back into the marketplace here. I don't know, Gordon, what are your thoughts? You carry a good variety. Well, I, I, I certainly, yeah, I certainly think that, you know, I mean, a lot of times um, it seems like the, the option has been like this company is going to go out of business or, you know, it's going to get bought by a, a European company. And, um, and I certainly think we would hate to lose some of those cheeses that might otherwise not be here. Um, you know, and, and, and it's true that there's not always a, a line of succession, especially when you're dealing with, like, rural family businesses. Right. You know, there's not always a next generation that wants to take over. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we were very lucky with, say, uh, you know, Uplands Creamery. 
transitioning. Right. Yes. Um, but there's a lot of a lot of places that. Uh, we wouldn't be so lucky, and a cheese can just disappear. I mean, you know, if you look at cheeses, we've we've had some great cheeses disappear, um, you know, in the last few years. Uh, you know, if you look at like Sally Jackson's cheese um, mm-hmm. and some other cheese, um, that you know, there might have been some other reasons for some of those, but the uh, but there definitely was no one there to take it over. So, um, you know, that's a loss for all of us. Mm-hmm. And it's quite a commitment for a family member to take over a cheese making operation. It, yeah, I mean, you know, it, I, I think that, you know, you, you look at places like, you know, Wisconsin, which has a lot of multi-generational, you know, cheesemakers, but, you know, that's really rare mm-hmm. um, across mm-hmm. the United States. I mean, there's there's, there's a handful here and there, obviously. I mean, you mm-hmm. got, like, you know, Franklin's Telme, you have the, the Vela's, you know, out here, um, but you know, even someone like Marin French, you know, they, you know, they've been around for 150 years, but... You know, they've had a number of different owners over the years. It hasn't mm-hmm. been a, a linear succession. Well, I want to thank you both for joining me on today's Cutting the Curd. Looking forward to next week's conference. I'll see you both in Providence. I can't wait. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you. See you me. there. Okay, great. See I, you there. See you, Deborah. Bye. <laughs> okay. I want to also thank the show's engineer, Liz Smith, Today's break music was provided by Mama Razi, and the show's theme song, called Cheese, is by John Burt. Also, thank the listener for tuning in, and if you liked what you heard, you can tell your friends to subscribe to the show on iTunes, and feel free to get in touch with us at heritageradionetwork.org. Next up, we have a teaser clip of Chef Marco Canora's sharing some snack hacks on the food scene, another great show found on heritageradionetwork.org. And this is Diane Stemple for Cutting the Curd. See you in a while. There's so much misinformation out there, and and everybody thinks that eating well needs to be uh, surrounded with deprivation. And it's like, it's not deprivation at all. Like, I'm a, I'm a fucking hedonist. Chef Marco Canora shares some snack hacks on episode 226 of The Food Scene, hosted by Michael Harlan Turkel. I love food. I eat food like crazy. I don't need to be hungry to eat food. It is just like a huge part of my life. And, you know, a lot of people are afraid of this idea of eating well because they think that you turn your back on all that stuff. And no, it doesn't mean you turn your back on loving food. It just means you have to educate yourself and think differently about it. So when you think of popcorn, do you instantly think, oh, that's fiber. That's going to clear me out. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, yes, I think about popcorn and then I say, well, let's make sure I put the right fat on it and, and let's make sure, you know, I'm getting a good quality popcorn. That's not some kind of highly mass produced GMO popcorn. And then it's great popcorn and I'll grate some really good pecorino cheese on it and put a boatload of, uh, black pepper on it and put a big hunk of really good grass fed butter on it and some nice sea salt and man it's fucking delicious decadent popcorn that i could eat a tub of it until i'm sick and i'm not going to feel so bad about it right because of you now kachu e pepeing something is like a yeah. verb in our house <laughs> right we always have that hunk of pecorino this was an excerpt from episode 226 of the food scene hosted by michael harlan turkel did you like it the food scene episodes are available on our website or on itunes dig in for more This piece was brought to you by Bonnie Plants, bonnieplants.com. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org.
You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.